1: It's time to start the podcast. It's time to hit the mics. It's time to start the podcast with Moon, P, Jug, and Hobbs. Welcome to episode 25 of Moon, P, Jug, and Hobbs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and here's the thing uh, we got lots to talk about today. So much. I don't know if an hour is going to do it. How long can we go? No more than an hour. <laughs> Okay. We can go
0: for 58 minutes. I have to do another podcast after this tonight, too. I don't blame you. I'm cheating on you.
1: If I were you, I'd want to be on another podcast, too. <laughs> you can come with me if you want. It's a joke writing podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. I should be a part of that.
0: An award winning journalist.
1: Yeah. And that's part of what we have to talk about today. Well, first of all, let's introduce my wife, P. Jug. Hey, P. Jug.
0: PJ
1: here. She's here every damn time, unless she doesn't want to be, and she's. skipped a (laughs) few, hasn't she? (laughs) And then we have Hobbs. I don't know that I've ever seen Hobbs as dressed up as she was at this event. Uh, You Mm -hmm. were a knockout that night. My wife looked stunning. Everybody was well dressed except me, and I was one of the honorees.
0: You were well dressed for you.
1: I had a pair of Mm -hmm. pants on for the first time in a year and a half, and that was pretty good. Skip the shoes, still, but I don't need those. No. Uh, and so let's talk about what happened on Saturday night to me, which was one of the greatest, I guess, moments in my life and my broadcasting life for damn sure. I was inducted into the Minnesota Hall of Fame for broadcasting radio and TV in the class of 2020. But they had to postpone it because of COVID. So then I had to wait a year and I'm thinking this could be a posthumous award. If I get COVID, let's get this award show on the road. (laughs) Uh, They had it at a place called the Pabic museum. I'd never been there, but boy, I was so surprised at how cool it was. If you have any uh, love of radio or television, they've got all of like the first broadcast equipment all the way up until the stuff from now Uh, And then they started showing videos of all of these people that had been inducted into the hall of fame. Some of them are calling me right now, actually. And they showed these little videos. We each got three minutes to have a introduction video. And so we did that. And mine was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It included a, a bunch of pictures Of the people that I had interviewed and had the pleasure of meeting people like Weird Al Yankovic, Amy Klobuchar, Billy Joel, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nealon from Saturday Night Live. Uh, But yeah, that was just a warm up video. And then after that, uh, we got down to the meat and potatoes of the program. The first gentleman was over 90 years old. And this guy is still on the air. He's had 69 years on the air.
0: He's like, wait, wait, everybody quiet. I'm here to tell you how important I am.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Really good. He's going to be on the show. I'm going to try to get everybody that was inducted into the Hall of Fame that night on the show, including Randy Shaver from Care 11. Mm-hmm. We sat right next to him and his wife, Pam Lundell from KTIS was there. I had no idea how nice she could be. Uh-huh. What
0: did you think? Who works at a Christian station. Did you think it was going
1: to be nice? Well, and she's worked at some other stations too. After uh, I gave my speech, which was the very last speech, she came up to me and said, well, your speech was a little more spicy than mine. Uh And I'm actually going to include the audio from my speech coming up sometime during this podcast, episode 25. Uh, My favorite line of the night, I said that I had, you know, no luck in my career going anywhere. I was at all these small market radio stations and I knew I had to find something new. I had to make a change and I finally figured out what it would take to make my career skyrocket. And all I had to do was stop being an. (laughs) Was that your favorite line? Was that the one
0: that wasn't my favorite line, but that was up there for sure. My favorite line was when um, the man who you passed the torch off to at Case 95, you said his name wrong. It was the long, slow build, how moon gets you. You know, he's like, and I've just, you know, I'm so honored and I can't believe it. You never have a career like this for a company like this. And then I got to meet the guy who I'm handing the torch off to. And I just can't thank you enough. My, my dear, dear friend, Hitch. I I did the thing that you know me I am I am too loud all the time and I laugh way too loud and I could not rein it in because that was just too funny to me and Grant and I are sitting next to each other holding hands like we're gonna start laugh crying like in church bad giggles bad church giggles
1: yeah that turned out to be pretty good and then I understand that they uh, talked about that on KS 95 They ended up calling me and I don't know. It's just fun for me to get on the air. And by the way, when this episode is airing is on Friday, meaning I can tell you that earlier this morning, I was on a new television show on channel five called Minnesota live. And it's hosted by Megan Newquist Mm -hmm. and Chris Eggert from channel five. He's a news anchor. I want to talk about with Megan. The first time we met, and I went to her and I said, Megan, my wife's father, his name is Stan. He is 90 some years old and he is your biggest fan. And he wants me to get assigned a picture of you if possible. And so she said, oh man, I'd be so glad, you know, that how cute. And I said, well, talking about cute, he thinks you're beautiful. And I'm going to say, and that's exactly how I feel about Chris Eggert.
0: <laughs> that's a very cute me too moment. You know what I mean? You like like, that? Like, you're making Chris Eggert uncomfortable now. He's beautiful though. He's
1: super nice. Yeah. And he and I have always gotten along. as a matter of fact, this was kind of strange. You know, Chris had a medical issue mm-hmm. in which he ended up losing a leg. You know, he had had the procedure and was recovering and, Uh, I happened to be in the hospital when all that was going down and I was in the physical therapy area and one of the PT people came up to me and they said, you know something, I know it's a HIPAA thing, but there's a guy that would really like to say hello to you. He's met you before at one of your work events. Is that okay? I said, heck yeah, it's okay. If he's a listener, I love him. And the guy came up and introduced himself we had met before. I used to do commercials for Walzer Corporation and Walzer Nissan. And this guy had come out to one of the appearances at Walzer Nissan and actually bought a car. And so we had lots to talk about. Well, guess what? He had just had to have his leg amputated, right? Uh, yeah. Because of a health related issue. And I said, I know somebody that might be able to help you go through the stuff you're feeling right now. And his name is Chris Eggert. And so I talked to Chris about it. And you know, he's just a wonderful guy, Chris is. And I hate doing TV, by the way. Uh, you have to dress nice. They've already told me to look TV appropriate. It's at <laughs> nine or five in the morning. I'm not gonna look good.
0: No, well, they but they knew you when they booked you. I don't appreciate them putting that pressure on you. It's not like they haven't you haven't oh. been in that building for like 15 <laughs> years. They know. Yes. They know when you have photo shoot day. They know when there's like, you know, like you when he's got the good polo shirt on you know yep. and, like, yes. and your stretchy jeans that you really like the ones that you know that really hug the butt they're called pajama pants it's pajama pants yes.
1: i do have pajama jeans and they, oh my god they look just like jeans
0: they do speaking <laughs> of men's fashion
1: yeah let's talk about uh fashion and finance now let's welcome dave boniface hey dave
2: hey guys hey.
1: dave is a guy that i met many years ago and here's how i got uh, his number and an idea to reach out to him i was thinking who's got more money than god Uh, that'd be dave doll okay (laughs) (laughs) and i think okay so here's what i should do i should go to dave because we're friends and i thought you know dave uh, if you had to recommend a financial advisor who might you recommend and he said there's this guy in forest lake And I've known him for years. I've been working with him. He's uh, super trustworthy. And his name is Dave Boniface. So then I get on Google to try to find out if he has committed any crimes, uh, (laughs) if there's any under the table kind of stuff going down (laughs) or whatever. So what I did was I busted off Dave a little chunk of money. And I thought, I'm going to give him that and see how he does. And, oh, my God, he crushed it. And then so I thought, well, now what? Maybe I should give him some more. Now he's got the whole damn thing, pretty much. It's been a pleasure working with you. You work at LPL Financial, right?
2: Yes. Legacy Capital is actually my firm. I run my business through LPL Financial, exactly.
1: How many years have you been doing this?
2: Uh, 34 years I've been doing this now.
1: So when you were a kid, did you think you were going to be a finance guy? Because most little boys want to grow up to be a rock star or a musician or a football player. How did you get into finance?
2: Well, actually, it's kind of a, an interesting story. I was uh, going to school. I, I wanted to be a doctor, of all things, which is quite a bit different. Took some finance classes and kind of fell in love with finance. And during the time in the Twin Cities area, it was you know, we were in medical alley and that was kind of a hot area. So I kind of found my way into the finance side of the business because I knew the language and and there were a lot of interesting things at the time world was different, right? We were stockbrokers. Then we became salespeople and then we became mutual fund people. Then we became financial advisors and we became financial planners. So it's, it's an interesting world. We all try to stay ahead of the head of the bad reputation names.
1: I didn't have any money in radio forever, So when I started investing, I had a guy and uh, I was down in Texas and the market was hot, but my account wasn't doing anything. So I thought, man, he must not know what he's doing. So I let him go. And then I went to another firm and I went with them. The father was retiring and he said, my son has been working with me forever. If you wouldn't mind, uh, I would like him to handle your account and I'll kind of watch over it. And I said, okay, that's fine. And uh, he got me into a bunch of dot coms and a bunch of just it did not work out at all. And I was so furious with this guy. Uh, I can see why you guys would want to have police protection at times. Right. If some guy that invests money loses everything and they blame you. And it, it many times has nothing to do with the financial advice they got.
0: I'd like to know what Moon's accounts were before he met you when you got started with him.
2: Um, he did a great job, but he did like his, his weed stocks and he liked taking some speculation here and there. And, uh, that was an interesting conversation to deal with as that stuff came over. But for the most part, he did a phenomenal job. He really did. I mean, he still has a lot of those same positions are are segregated in another account that, that we watch over and, and they continue to do well. Some of your stocks have done extremely well, Moon.
1: Oh man. They're up like 300%. Yeah. It's it's been crazy. And then, you know, if you take a look at the market in general, um, you know, if you go back to like, for example, from 2016 to now, the market is basically doubled. The Dow is like at you know, 16 and now it's like at 35 or whatever. Uh, so times have been good. I think at the end of the Bush administration that things were kind of tough. And then, uh, you know, Obama took over. And I know that presidents can't move the stock market but you know through the obama years uh, the growth started and it was just kind of a slow uptick and it kept running and it kept running you're thinking this is great uh and then you know when there was an election i was thinking now what is the next president going to have whatever policies that might affect my retirement so you're always concerned if you're getting closer to retirement i think everybody should you know watch the market and invest you know starting early and going all the way through their lives uh, and then just cross your fingers because you never know. Uh, usually when a bad event like COVID or uh, 9-11, that might be the perfect time to you know entertain buying some stocks. PJ, you got another question, right?
0: Well, I was going to ask about your kids. Are they um, pretty savvy with their, their money, well, how they spend and if they invest in stocks with you, um, funds with you?
2: They do actually.
1: My do they have
0: own- a choice, Dave? Do they, can they, are they allowed to invest with whoever they want or must no. they invest with you? They must invest with me.
1: <laughs> know,
0: how- my, da- my daughter and my
2: son-in-law, you know, are both employed. Of course they participate in their 401ks, which we always tell everybody, including my own kids, you know, your first line of savings should typically be your employer, right? It's incredibly efficient. It's easy. Right. It's disciplined. So we tell that to our clients as well. I mean, you should be participating in your 401k while you're employed. Um, we believe that that's, that's the easiest way and the most efficient way to invest. But yeah, okay. they all do. My youngest son, Austin, is in the business with me, actually. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, he's he's kind of been groomed. I'll probably go to jail for, for getting him into the business this way. But he's kind of groomed since he was 12 to be in the business. He is probably the the only person I know that's that's nerdier than I am when it comes yeah. to that stuff. You know, we'll be at a family event and and our entire family will be on a pontoon ride or something. And you know, 15-20 minutes we get shut the hell up, you two, because we still <laughs> talking about about something financial.
0: Yeah.
1: I remember one time I think I had a check to deposit or I don't remember what it was, documents that I had signed, something and Austin came to pick them up from me. And uh, there was a certain deadline that we were supposed to meet. I don't remember what the deadline was. And as he took my stuff back to the office, he got in a car crash.
0: That's what I'm talking about. That's my financial planner. Risk your life. <laughs> my retirement and my comfort. Yeah, yes. <laughs> not my
2: life, my kid's life. So that yeah, your kid's
0: that life. Out. You've got more kids. There's some backups on 494, you know.
1: In school... I don't feel they teach enough finance classes to our kids. They'll give them all kinds of science and, uh, you know, algebra, and trigonometry and all that. What about your own kids? You know, how have they you know learned about money?
2: It's pretty sad right now in our country that, you know, the number of kids that don't really understand finance. Some new apps like Robin Hood and some of these new things, people are investing money without any really education whatsoever, and, and making some, some errors, um, but they don't teach basic economics in school. They don't teach about saving re- for retirement. They don't even tell people how to balance a checkbook anymore. And that's another interesting fact too, that in today's world, young people don't touch cash anymore. They Venmo, they have credit cards, they have Apple Pay, they don't get change. So if you walk in and you buy something for $10, you hand somebody a $10 bill, and they give you a handful of less valuable bills, there's a learning thing that happens when you do that, right? I mean, you're learning that you're giving somebody some money, and you're getting less back, and then you're getting a goods and service. That doesn't happen anymore. Now it's here's a credit card, or here's a debit card, or something like that. And and I find that pretty fascinating, too, because the value of money just psychologically isn't there.
1: You know, it's the same basic uh, premise at a casino. What they do is they give you chips so it's not real money. And it's just like, we whatever, you know, <laughs> I got these things in my hand, but, you know, they didn't think about how many hours they had to work to sit there and lose seven, 800 bucks at the blackjack table. And before it even hit them, And, you know, I think credit is an evil thing, actually. Uh, You know, there are many people in our world that are athletes and in other high paid positions that file bankruptcy. And the reason that they do that is they don't understand the basic don't spend more than you earn. And when kids get credit cards, hey, it's open, it's open season. You know, you can buy whatever you want. This is great. And then they think, well, wait a minute, I can make a minimum payment this month. I'm a little short. So credit cards actually thrive on, you know, people who make minimum payments.
0: I remember being in college and they would set up in the student union, the credit cards. And they're like, you only have to be 18. You don't have to ask your parents. You don't need permission. And then they would, if you signed up, they would give you 20 bucks in cash that day. So you had beer money. (laughs) Who's not going to say yes to that? Sure, yeah, I believe
1: it. Now, P-Jug, you know, she has an account with Dave as well, and she had a 401k back when she was still working and all that stuff. Uh, And, you know, you think about when you get a 401k, you start to look at the numbers as they grow. A lot of people then have something catastrophic happen. They might have a health-related issue. In her specific case, uh, she was working uh, in a field that if there's an economic tilt – it's not good for you. She was in the spa business. Well, what's the first thing that goes when the market tanks or you lose money or whatever, you lose your job. You're not going for a massage. You're not getting skincare. You're not getting uh, waxing, <laughs> even well, though you probably should.
0: grow at that point. You're just like, whatever. You know what? <laughs> you married me the way I
1: look. Let's talk cryptocurrency. Can you explain what it is, how it works all that? Cause I know zero.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm happy to talk a little bit about that. Of course, we we don't get too much into that because it's technically not a security, so we have to be a little careful. But we can talk in generalities about the concept behind cryptocurrency. So, you know, over time, money has always gone to whatever is easiest to move and cheapest to transact in. If you go back to gold, you know, to coins, to dollar bills, to credit, you're always moving closer and closer to, to easier ways to transact, to try to get rid of intermediaries. The less people between my money and your money, the better it works. That's basically the concept behind cryptocurrency. I can transact directly with you without going through a financial institution. So therefore, there's no bank involved. There's, you know, if I want to buy something from a a vendor, I can buy them and pay them directly. The other interesting thing, of course, about cryptocurrency is it leaves a trail. The technology behind cryptocurrency, basically blockchain technology, makes it so that everything's zeros and numbers. And you can see every single place that that cryptocurrency was prior to you owning it. So there's a proof of transaction. You don't need a receipt. Moon, you had the cryptocurrency. You gave it to me. I gave you a goods and service. I gave that cryptocurrency to somebody else. And we can track that all the way through. So that part is relatively interesting as well. The difficulty with the space is that everybody keeps creating new cryptocurrencies. I believe there's somewhere around five or 6,000 different cryptocurrencies. You know, if we have the technology, yeah. you and I could create MoonCoin. And out of the blue, we could say MoonCoin, we will sell MoonCoin for five cents. And we're going to sell, you know, 500 million five cent MoonCoins. And okay. then we receive those funds and off we go. And who cares what happens after that? Well, we keep some because we want it to go to a dollar or something, right? So, so it's relatively easy to create cryptocurrencies. And eventually one of them is going to be the one that's used. Um, You know, some of them make more sense than others, but it is pretty fascinating. The problem as an investment, your currencies typically are not a good investment. If cryptocurrencies want to grow up and be used as currency, they have to calm down in price. If you sell your house and you're going to buy another house, You want to be pretty sure that that million, you know, that million dollars you got for your house, bend your house, moon, that million dollars you got for your house um, is going to be able to buy another million dollar house. You know, those, that million dollars worth of Bitcoin isn't going to be worth $300,000 in six weeks. That that currency is going to maintain a stable value. It is not a stable value. If that ever happens, it becomes a lot more interesting as a currency.
0: In essence, for the layman, is it like a currency for a country that doesn't exist? That's that's kind of subject to the same ebbs and flows. Like, because when like they devalued the peso, I remember in Mexico uh, years and years ago, and, and how everything just like the entire economy tanked for years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, kind of like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Or think of it even more as a global a, a global currency, a currency without a government. Right. So
0: but that's and, and isn't that what people are kind of excited about, though? They're like, hey, you know what? We run this. This is kind of, you know, the wild, wild west. Yeah, it's, it's
2: fascinating and it's fascinating how it was created. Every cryptocurrency that's created makes it more difficult to create the next one, which is right. it's the whole concept of it being worth more money later. Think of gold. Gold used to be in rivers and all over the place. Mm -hmm. And gold has value because it's becoming more and more difficult to get gold, to find gold, to refine gold, and more expensive. Same concept. You know, Mm -hmm. cryptocurrencies become harder and harder and harder to create as there gets to be more and more of them, uh, taking more energy. So what's fascinating is that, you know, in some areas you've got crypto miners wanting to set set up their crypto mines at the base of windmills so that the excess energy at night that's typically sent into the ground, they Mm -hmm. can use that energy instead to mine more cryptocurrencies.
0: Whoa. So (laughs) instead of selling it back to the utility companies, they want to mine it and then convert that into cryptocurrency potentially completely out of the United States and probably completely out of the United States and away from taxes and government eyes, I would imagine. Yep. That's one of the concerns as well. We need to get in on this. I mean, I know you can't say it on a podcast. Wink, wink. Wink. yeah. It's a fascinating thing. Moon's got a nice backyard. There's a field. We can set up a windmill real easy. We're just gonna. I don't know. I don't know. Do we? Is it like a spigot? We just like turn it on. The cryptocurrency like falls into it. But like like sap in a maple, or yeah,
2: like like a, yeah. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Actually, I've never I've, I've never mined them. As a matter of fact, my short story about it. So it was probably 2010. I remember where I was, I was driving in the car and I wanted to buy some cryptocurrency. It was brand spanking new. It was, it was, I don't know, 80 cents or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was almost free. And and it was brand new. And I popped onto my my cell phone and I put in all my information. And I got to the point where it said, We need your credit card. And yep. I went, hell yep. no. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not giving these sketchy people my credit card so I canceled the transaction and and hurried up and and deleted the app Yep. well dang I it I probably wouldn't be talking to you today if I were you wouldn't ever ten thousand dollars into that
0: Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: exactly yeah so it's fascinating stuff
1: and let's uh, let's get into the real day Boniface here uh married for how long
2: 30 oh God my wife will kill me if she listens to this. 31 years. Nice. I have been married to my, to my wife. Yep.
1: And then three kids.
2: Wonderful. And three kids. And she is a, she is a CPA and uh, you know, so it's kind of in our blood and we're all kind of into finance.
0: Good. Good deal. Do you guys just like go to Vegas and like rain man? The hell out of everything we, we do. we count cards
2: and we stand behind each other and we got yeah. yeah, we got the roulette wheel figured out, you know, and yeah.
1: <laughs> I love it. Here's the thing too for me. I call Dave a lot multiple times a week, generally or emailing me more than that. I mean, I'm a pain in the ass client. Sorry, Dave, uh,
2: you're a blast to talk to.
1: Oh, and then let's talk about this uh, website. Uh, I want both P-Jug and Hobbs to know about this thing that you do where you go into a room and there might be a celebrity there because you had kind of an interesting experience.
0: I'm trying to get one to go into the clubhouse. I haven't, uh, I haven't spoken in one yet, but well, uh, we really shouldn't be talking about clubhouse on our podcast. We're going to have people tune out. <laughs> We're talking about the competition.
2: A lot of people run their podcasts on there. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so, you know, sometimes there's musical guests. I think I had mentioned the moon. Are you talking about Jack, when Jackson Brown was in there?
1: Yeah, yeah he yeah. went into a room and there's Jackson Brown right there. It's not
0: a real room, Moon. He wasn't in a room with them.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, That's what Clubhouse is. Like yeah, a no. chat room. Uh huh. It's like a radio show you can call into and you can go into the like the virtual room and the people who log in first will be seen first and you can interact with them. And then they'll have like speakers and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a call-in radio show. It is like a call-in radio show.
2: Exactly. Oh. Exactly. We've developed a kind of a small little group that gets together and talks a lot on
0: that. Oh, that's cool. Dave, do you want someone to come on your clubhouse that, uh, that tells bad jokes? Cause I know a guy Absolutely. or a girl that tells good jokes. I also yeah, got there. Bring you. Yeah. Bring you in there. I was, <laughs> but I did want to
2: say earlier that congratulations on, on your Minnesota Hall. The Radio Hall of Fame. That's awesome, Moon. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to say, my favorite line was was where you talked about the the arrest for marijuana sale.
1: <laughs> so
2: I wish we'd repeat that on the podcast because oh, twist his story. arm,
0: Dave. That was the first yes. the first time he met my kid. That was the story he led with.
1: As a matter <laughs> of fact, I don't see any reason why I shouldn't play my whole speech. It's uh, a yeah. Moon P Jug, and Hobbs. Here you go. I've always loved to talk, and I've actually been told I can talk underwater. My mother was in a uh, hospital in an ICU on a ventilator, and I waited there with her for seven days. When they took the tube out of her throat, the first thing she said was, "Don't you ever shut up!" <laughs> right? <laughs> in my 45 years on the air, I've done rock star interviews, presidential interviews. Uh, actors. I've done twelve thousand on-air shifts, over a hundred thousand live breaks, uh, hundreds of angry sponsors, <laughs> uh, forty-one hours of dead air, and four minutes of meaningful content. Okay. Uh, I applied for my first radio job in 1974, and the other applicants. I got drunk on Everclear and Coke moments before the audition and I ended up getting the job. I was the only one that wasn't slurred. Uh, So, uh, you know, later I worked my way up to the morning show and that was when I was a senior in high school and I'll be darned I got busted for selling marijuana that year, okay? And uh, so they went to the news, uh, you know, the newspaper was gonna print that so the radio station did the news story first. The news director got the story from the courthouse, took it to the radio station, put it in the news basket. I was out on bail and had a shift to do. So I get there and you hear this. And finally in the news, Larry Thompson was arrested for possession of a controlled substance with intent to deliver. This is Larry Thompson reporting. <laughs> And the boss drove down and fired me on the spot. So later he hired me back and he said, okay, I'll take you back, Uh, but you cannot ever say your name again. This is a small town. And now you hear the news like this, and that's the news I'm (laughs) reporting. (laughs) Started going to bigger radio stations, ended up in Grand Island, Nebraska. Uh, I met Leighton Peck there, became a drinking buddy. I don't know if you know Leighton, later he became my boss here. Uh, but I worked at several small market stations, got fired several times. Once, cause I couldn't smoke in the studio. Another time I got in a fist bite with an owner over a uh, moving expenses disagreement. And uh, the station went off the air for about four minutes, not too bad. Uh, I finally learned how to make my career skyrocket. And it really only took one thing. All I had to do was stop being an asshole. That's it. Uh, Moved on to Sweet 98 in Omaha. My best bit there was I would have women who got DUIs to use their one phone call from jail to call my show. And then they would be bailed out by horny men, (laughs) right? They eventually made me stop doing that. one. Uh, Moon uh, Moondoggy was my name in Omaha, and then later in Denver, number one there for eight years, uh, moved across town, uh, worked with a guy named Dean on a hip hop station. We called ourselves Moon and Dean in the morning, two fat white guys that don't give a damn, right? And that was our slogan. At that radio station, I was fired uh, for an on-air stunt And as they took my boxes and my headphones out to the elevator, uh, the program director from the station right above us, one floor above us, he said, oh, Moon, you're leaving early today. I said, yeah, I got fired. I just, I'm taking my stuff out. And I was being escorted by a police officer and program director. And uh, anyway, uh, the guy uh, from upstairs radio station said, can you start this weekend? So I got Hired and hired in 10 seconds on an elevator, all right? Moved on to Las Vegas, had success there, went to Houston, Texas, 10 years, uh, worked a lot with the Coleman Foundation, breast cancer, uh, charities became kind of my thing, uh, along with uh, the woman I'm going to give big tribute to here in, a, in just a minute. Uh, Houston became number one and market number six. That's a big thing. Uh, my next and my biggest job came when I went to work for Hubbard Broadcasting at KS95 in the Twin Cities. Uh, I was at a rent-a-car counter in uh, Los Angeles at the airport. And I saw a guy and I thought, isn't that my old drinking money from my station in Nebraska? And sure enough, it was, but I didn't want to approach him. I Googled him when I got home, <laughs> sent him an email, and I said, were you renting a car in Los Angeles this last weekend? He said, you've gained some weight. (laughs) And I said, you've lost all your hair. (laughs) Anyway, uh, he ended up offering me a job here to work with somebody that I'd never met. She's here tonight. Stacy, can you stand up? Where are we at? Uh, uh, This woman. Uh, We had incredible chemistry together. It took us two days to take off. And we did stupid things out here that were simple, but they made the listeners feel smarter than they really were, right? (laughs) We did smarter than Stacy, which was our biggest thing, biggest thing on the whole station. We set every ratings record, do you know this? For afternoon radio in this station's history and I hope it'll never be beaten. Uh, We won a Marconi award for, you know, large market show of the year. I had a goal when I got here and that was to have 95 number one rating periods, and we did it. And that's amazing, right? Um, and you can still listen to some darn good radio in the afternoons on K- KS95, and Stacy is with her brand new partner, my replacement, and my new friend, Hitch. Oh, Hutch. Hutch, damn it. That was close. Uh, Thanks to the Coleman Foundation, Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare, uh, Children Cancer Research Fund for doing wonderful things, Can Do Canines, one of my favorites, the MS Society. And I wanna thank all the people uh, that helped my career possible. Number one, the listeners that put up with all my stuff for 45 years. Uh, Number two, the dream team at Hubbard Radio, Uh, the family business that made me feel Like I was actually part of their family. And uh, wow, I just couldn't ask for a better group to work for. And then I wanted to do all the personal stuff. My mom and dad, they supported me even though they thought, you know, hey, this radio thing's probably not gonna work out, right? And uh, they kind of wanted me to stay on the family farm, but off I went, couldn't stop. Once I got in my blood, I was gone. And then my kids, Jeremy, who's not here tonight, uh, my daughter Maggie Jane, who is Maggie Jane, I love you. Trevor, my son, just moved to Germany. Long story. <laughs> <laughs> Elena, who's not here tonight with COVID. Uh, Danielle, right here in the front row. My wives that put up with a lot of stuff. Dana and Jennifer, and but most importantly, my current, my forever wife, right here in the front row. Cynthia. I call her Pee-wee on the radio, but her name is P Jug on my podcast. P Jug. Moon, P. Jug and Hobbs. Okay? If if it weren't for her, I would not be here tonight, and I am not kidding you. Thank you all for blessing me with this career and this honor tonight. Thanks. Well, there's my speech at the twenty twenty-one version of the Minnesota Broadcasting Hall of Fame. I had a lot of fun that night. Jason Matheson from My Talk 107.1 was the host. Did a marvelous job. Mm-hmm. And and like I said uh, earlier, we are going to have everybody on uh, that will agree to it uh, in the next few weeks because I'm booking guests. I got to have guests for this thing. It's not that easy to get guests. Uh, you know, I have to beg and grovel. <laughs>
0: can I, can I well, tell Dave what happened last week? Yes. You could not make it?
1: <laughs> this is good.
0: So Dave, I get a, I get a text from Moon. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. Dave can't do the podcast this week. You know, my sister's coming into town. I've got lint between my toes. Maybe we shouldn't do <laughs> whatever it was. It was something like, Well, this is just too much. This is too hard. I said, Well, well, I'm at I'm at Acme Comedy Club right now. Let me add some of the comics. Let me see if someone's available. So sure enough, I did. And uh, we got a Comic-Con. And the first thing he does, and his name is, he's a very funny young man. His name is Ali Sultan. And he's recently just had a, a clip on Colbert and has been on Comedy Central. He was one of the first Comedy Central performers to do a stand-up set in the Middle East, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. And um, Moon says, it's great that you can make it, Ali. Um, <laughs> my financial planner couldn't be here today. <laughs> I did do that. That was like so you, you were, you were, you were. Oh the, like when people get called into the tonight show and they're like, oh, <laughs> well, it's supposed to be Matthew McConaughey, but tonight he hit me. So he yeah. had to follow you, Dave. Uh, so this I better know. be a very salacious podcast because I'm certain that he's listening and going, <laughs> you know what? I'll never be bumped by a financial planner again.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I know. And then that got me to watch. I watched both of those clips too, when he was on Colbert and man, that guy is talented, but yeah,
0: I've known him since he was like a brand new open mic comic. And I should have, in my arrogance, I should have shut up and listened and followed what he was doing. Cause I haven't done anything. right.
1: One of the things about Hobbs relationship with Ali, uh, after we hung up on the podcast, she said all these things about him and I, and the tape's still rolling. And I'm thinking, I wonder if she'll get mad if I put all of this real stuff at the end of the podcast. I forgot to ask, and we just aired it anyway, right? Uh, but, yeah, basically you explained how you instructed him that he might become more successful by wearing nicer shirts on stage. I uh, emailed him right away after the podcast. And I said, dude, I said, you and I, you mentioned being kindred uh, spirits. I said, you need to come to my fire pit. Mm-hmm. And he, he's yeah. agreed to do that. Yeah. And I uh, asked him if he smokes cigars. He does not. Uh, he quit smoking cigarettes, so he doesn't want to go back to cigars. Dave and I have smoked a couple of cigars yes. uh, in our time together in my garage, usually when it's like 400 below zero.
2: And Moon has an air exchanger in his garage that can take that 40 degree weather and bring it right into the garage in a heartbeat. Inefficiently, I would imagine Moon.
1: It's something, and I watch a lot of TV in my garage too. I'm still watching Vikings, by the way. There's 90 episodes of the that. Television
0: show. show, not the not the football team, because no one's not, watching it anymore. I got an alert from I got an alert from Ticketmaster. Tickets are like 60 bucks if you want to go to the Seattle game this weekend.
1: Is oh, that man. right? Yeah,
0: it's not good.
1: Oh, they're 0-2. No, it's
0: not. And we didn't win one game in the preseason anyway. I'm sorry. I derailed it.
1: You were talking about the
0: television show Vikings. I made
1: it. Sorry. uh, The way you think about it, you know, I think the team's playing pretty well. It's just that their kicking (laughs) game is crap. Uh, And, you know, they can't seem to put a win together, which is kind of sad. Yeah, I'm so happy that football is back. I mean, listen to this. I watch Monday night football. I watch Thursday night football. Now there's college games on Friday, not a bunch of them and usually not the better teams, but some of the colleges play on Friday nights. I got all day football on Saturday with college starting at like 9 a.m. with the East Coast games all the way to 1 a.m. with the West Coast games. And then I watch football all day on Sunday. So you got five out of seven days. And that we've been watching football and I'm telling you the Monday night game last week and the, man, it's been great this year so far.
0: How yeah. excited are you that it's football season and you have a babysitter for him? I know. I love it. Well,
1: and she I watches watch watch games too.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I love the Vikings. I love college. I like, the, love the Gophers, the Huskers. Yeah. I don't sit and watch all the games every day that they're on, but I do follow it, and I I really enjoy it. It's great to be back.
2: I was at the Ohio State golfer game, sitting next to an Ohio State fan, one of those Ohio State fans, oh. and I don't think he realized I was a I was a money guy, and he kept wanting to make bets with me. And he turned to me at halftime and he said, "I will bet you a thousand to one." That Ohio State wins this, and <laughs> now it's like, okay, I can I here's a hundred bucks. Show me your ten grand, and yeah. we got a deal, right? Of course, yeah. I would have lost it, but a hundred bucks for ten thousand—that's that was pretty good
0: odds. That's worth the risk. Yeah. hundred up against ten grand all day. Uh-huh. Absolutely, that was- take that, take that, kid. Student loan money. What are you worried about, Dave? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. exactly.
1: So- I am so uh, in love with watching games live. And it used to be TCF Stadium. What's it called now?
0: I mean, Huntington Bank. Huntington Bank, I think, bought TCF. Or they sold it. Yeah, TCF sold to Huntington, I believe. And the green sign absolutely clashes with the maroon
2: (laughs) and gold of the golfers. When you walk in there, that big, ugly green against the maroon background, you go, ugh. Uh, I've
1: been to several country concerts there. And the sound in that place for an outdoor venue is fantastic. I couldn't believe how great of a place it is to see a stadium. Obviously, you have to have a big act, you know, when they're trying to sell 40,000 tickets or whatever. Uh, But, you know, as far as accessibility, because I have my wheelchair, uh, they've got parking across the street. You zip over, you take an elevator, and what they do is they put all the people with disabilities on the very top of the stadium so you've got a great view. You're really, you know, up there by yourselves, which you're not quite as as big of a cluster as you are down in the main terminal or the main areas. Uh, however, they forgot to put a bathroom up there, right? What? There's no bathroom on the top floor that I could find. That you could find.
0: Like they have to
1: have a bathroom on the top floor somewhere, don't they? Uh, it must be,
0: for, yeah, a handicapped.
1: Football games are long. You gotta go in three hours. Come on. And then you got OT, which then becomes OP.
0: <laughs> and this is why this show needs oh. <laughs> I sound effects. I will just slow clap on my thigh. That's where we're, <laughs> we're, you know what? This is so low budget. We just do we just use what uh foley artists. I just make noises, snaps oh, really? or whatever.
1: <laughs> What's the last concert that you uh attended, Dave?
0: That I
2: attended. Oh, man. It has been so, so long. It's probably been since college. Isn't that sad? What about a dive bar? What about a bar? Yeah, Laguna Beach has a place called the Dirty Bird. It's actually called the Heron or something. I don't know what the real name is, but the nickname is the Dirty Bird. It is like a dive bar with live bluesy music like you wouldn't believe. There's even, even a song written called At the Dirty Bird. That's got some pretty rough lyrics. That sounds really fun.
1: I used to drink at a place uh, right before I went on the air called Muffs. After I went to rehab, I think they went under. I think they went bankrupt. (laughs) The
0: tab was our children's college fund.
1: You know, and you think about dive bars, you know, I used to, you know, drink a lot. So I was also in search of any bar, but dive bars were fun.
0: Yep. And
1: uh, there's, Many bars, like one in Nebraska, I don't remember exactly which town it is, but the whole place is just filled with, uh you know, taxidermy stuff. So you walk in and it's like nothing but that. And then if you go to a really good dive bar, you can order Rocky Mountain oysters.
0: Oh, God. You know, why is it about every third or fourth podcast you bring this up? (laughs) I don't know what it is, his obsession with the Rocky Mountain Oysters. I have no idea. You know what those are, right? I do know what those are, Yeah, you look like a sturdy Midwesterner. You know what they are. First time I met Moon. Mm -hmm. He offered you some.
2: (laughs) He had had some in his pocket. That's where he keeps them. We actually had pizza. Remember we had pizza out in the lobby at at KSCP. We ordered wow. punch pizza. I think it was punch pizza. We ordered Mesa. First time, you know, I hadn't met Moon, yes. and, and I was walking into, you know, the altar of the famous Stan Hubbard, which is a little intimidating. Plus also, you know, being a shy made westerner running into, you know, you never know if you're going to run into the Aflac duck guy or some other famous star when you walk in the door there. So I walk up to the front court and I go, Uh, I'm here to see Larry Thompson. And she goes, moon. I'm like, yeah. She goes, do you know him? I I, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to call. I didn't know if you had some, you know, no one was supposed to know your real name. And we were all like,
1: when you were in our hallways, you never knew who you'd run into because uh, you know, with the television stations there, they do a lot of interviews with a lot of big people, just like the, all the radio stations did. And one day we're sitting in our studio looking out the window and Bob Odenkirk from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul comes walking in. I'm like, dude, that is Saul Goodman. right?" And I am thinking, amazing. And so uh, we ran out. He didn't have time to do an interview, but I got a chance to meet him. And then one time, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I'm in the bathroom and uh, there's a guy at the urinal and somebody in the stall. Finally, uh, the guy in the uh, stall leaves and the guy turns around from the urinal and it's Garrison Keillor.
0: <laughs> and he has a penis. It's confirmed. Yeah.
1: It was very weird who you'd run into the bathroom. And then I run into Joe Souchere and Patrick Royce. And I mean, oh, my God, I'd run into everybody in that place. And I mean, if you think about all the stars that we had interviewed, just Stacy and I, mm-hmm. it was unbelievable. The list, uh, you know, mm-hmm. some of my favorites uh, were definitely Weird Al. Hulk Hogan was great. Uh, Michelle Obama was amazing. We only had her on because she wanted to encourage voter turnout. Mm -hmm. She wasn't plugging for her husband to get a vote. It happened to be election day. But all she said was, you know, thank you for bringing it to everyone's attention that today is voter, uh, you know, the election day. And please exercise your right to vote. It's the most important thing as Americans that we get to do.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: people were calling in just hating the fact that we had a democrat on when they then wanted equal time and I would say to them it's the first lady of the US and they're getting on this show yeah. I'm telling you but people were so sensitive by the end we couldn't uh, they wouldn't allow me to do any political humor because you literally would lose 50% of your audience if you take a look at the voter uh you know results it is very very divided and if you go on the air and say anything about anything it just gets completely blown up and out of hand i mean it happens at my fire pit i mean right now we can't it's happening on
0: this podcast right now
1: (laughs) (laughs) there are people that are thinking what the hell are you talking about we're,
0: we're losing subscribers as you keep talking come on
1: all right well if we're pissing people off we might as well wrap it up uh, thank you uh, to Legacy Capital's Dave Boniface for giving us a little insight. Uh, and hopefully he wasn't too nerdy for you in the finance talk. But uh, Dave, thanks no. for you know handling you know my stuff. And uh, I would give you uh, four thumbs up. Uh, I, I trust him. I, I feel like I don't have to worry about certain estate planning things. I mean, we are now in a period in my life where the things i need to know are above my pay grade Uh right all the taxes and all Uh the capital gains this and you know cryptocurrency that and oh my god Uh, all i want to do is is just uh you know feel safe knowing that i i have a little money in the bank uh because i've got a thing about steak and lobster
2: (laughs) nice and cigars and expensive cigars
1: yes there you go. Okay. Episode 25, Moon, P. Jug and Hobbs. It's time to end the podcast. It's time to shut off the mics. It's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes. You need to share this podcast with friends in cars or bikes it's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes why do you always listen i guess we'll never know a fat guy in a wheelchair what the does he know it's time to end the podcast it's time to get some likes Go to your computer, type it in, you're going to win. We are out of lyrics in Boopie, Jug, and Hobbs. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. It. That oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, it though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey,
0: boo. Boo.
1: Let's put this show out of its misery.
0: I'm <laughs> sorry.